Welcome, lucky listeners. Grab yourselves a hot cup of... Tuck yourself down deep into the covers and make sure the lights are on. It's time for Read Me a Nightmare. (laughs) Welcome to episode 18 of Read Me a Nightmare. I'm Angelique Fawns, your host, and we have a treat for you today. I hope you're hungry because you won't believe what's on the menu. Ida Obey reads her own story, Clotilde, as her alter ego, Martine Corbeau. If you recognize Ida's purr, this is her second time on Read Me a Nightmare. She stopped in for a chat back in October on episode 11. Ida is editor-in-chief of The Last Girls Club, and she published my story, Lucy and the Cosmic Comet Ride. I interviewed her after the reading, and it was one of the most entertaining conversations of my life. We went down rabbit holes I didn't even know existed. Join us after the reading of the story as we go down the rabbit hole again. Ida Obey is the human host for The Last Girls Club's ghost host, Martine. Martine shares stories of her previous lives throughout history and the liminal spaces through Ida. In this tasty little story, Martine is inspired by the true story of celebrated chef Alexandre Etienne Coron. One of his claims to fame is the menu he served during the Siege of Paris by the Prussians, which began on September 19, 1870. During the siege, Parisians were reduced to eating, among other things, rats. Coron served some fairly inventive dishes at his high-end restaurant. And if you want to know the menu, I'll let Martine take over. Hello, darlings. This is Martine Corbeau the succubus ghost host of The Last Girls Club. And I'm here to tell you the gruesome tale of my friend Clotilde. In the 1870s, Prussia laid siege to Paris and everyone was starving. One of the Christmas menus from Voisin on the 99th day of the siege had unusual dishes such as a stuffed donkey's head, elephant consomme, roast camel, kangaroo stew, antelope terrine, bear ribs, cats with rats, and a wolf haunch in deer sauce. But this strange menu is not the one I'm here to tell you about. No, I have one much darker. Are you ready, darling? Once there was, and once there was not, a girl born in a brothel in the Latin Quarter of Paris. Her mother was popular and her father unknown. Wishing a better life for her daughter than her own, her mother sent her to the kitchens of Paris to learn a more respected trade and shield her from the harsher truths of life. But even the best laid plans of a loving mother can fail. And my dear Clotilde did become an amazing chef. She worked in the best houses in Paris and the surrounding countryside. She also learned how to midwife as a discreet side service because a steady hand, strong stomach, and a sharp knife are skills in many professions. She heard much and revealed nothing, but she learned. She learned the households that ran through maids like shit through a goose, the rich husbands and sons to never be caught alone with in a pantry. One thing you can say about men that frequent brothels, at least they pay for what they take. There would be a reckoning one day 
Clotilde would make sure. And one day in the fall of 1870, the Prussians surrounded Paris and we were officially under siege. At first we thought they were ridiculous in their silly little uniforms. My friends and I would often pitch stones and horseshit at them from the walls of the city, ducking when the bullets came whizzing back. My friend Petrie was shot in the buttock, mooning them. But fall slipped into winter, and by the end of October, things were getting desperate. We heard the nearby city Le Bouget fell, taking a good chunk of our boys with it. Then the food started running out. First we ate the rats, then the dogs, then the cats, then the horses. And finally, we started emptying the zoos to survive. Nobody reacts well to a long period of being trapped with dwindling supplies, especially abusive bastards. Clotilde's midwifing skills were in high demand. There was no one who wanted to birth a child during a siege, especially unplanned and unwanted. Clotilde cleared and collected every piece of tissue. She noted the names that the women wept into her shoulders. One raucous night in a wine cellar, she and I found ourselves deep among the barrels. She laid her head in my lap and told me all of it, finishing with the confession of a ghastly barrel of brine filled with fetal tissue, floating like pickled walnuts. (laughs) I laughed with hysterical horror. The siege had changed us all. Local restaurants were serving elephants. What was normal? We planned until the early morning hours. Madame Kelly was great friends with Clotilde's mother and ran one of the best brothels in Paris. At the height of the siege, when we were all starving, even the rich were feeling the pinch, Kelly decided to host a high-end dinner. All in all, 27 well-dressed men in top hats arrived at the back door for their clandestine dinner with some of the highest-paid women in Paris. The men didn't even notice that none of the women ate the main course. A trine sur dos. Golden child. They assumed it was made of pickled snails and mushrooms. It wasn't. Many were violently ill later. Maybe a few poisonous mushrooms made their way into the terrain. Or maybe a few well-placed whispers revealed the secret ingredient. (laughs) To quote Rousseau, when people shall have nothing more to eat, they will eat the rich. Martine Corbeau is a 600-year-old succubus who loves to gossip. She has seen much and is ashamed of little. She's spent most of her incarnations in France, but has traveled widely through the liminal spaces and considers herself a citizen of the universe in multiple dimensions. She has brokered many deals with and for the undead, considers evil to be a matter of perspective, and the binary definitions of good and evil, heaven and hell, the refuge of tiny minds. Well, for some reason, I've lost my appetite. But let's sit down and have a chat with Ida Obey. So, Ida, Wonderful. tell me a little Hi bit guys. about. 
<laughs> Tell me a little bit about Clotilde. What a very creepy but engaging story. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I uh, took an online uh, class about um, the anarchist movement in Paris during the siege of Paris and how like they were the first uh, communist run city for uh, like a couple weeks. And then they had like the bloody week and the um, French sent in the troops and like just massacred the city um, because the rebels were holding the walls. It was, but it was a whole year of a siege of the Prussian army. And then they got rid of the Prussian army and then the French troops came in and said they wanted the cannons and Paris, the Parisians were like, no, 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 no. We melted down our stuff and paid for these, you know, and it became, it became a thing wow. <laughs> like most things do. But uh, I, I had seen the menu. I sent you that menu. Oh yeah. Isn't that insane? It is. I'm actually going to use it as the, um, the art for this episode. So I will use it. So anybody who wants to look at the menu, take a look at the art piece on the Buzzsprout. Yeah, it's, yeah. it actually was served. And uh, they they killed the two elephants in the Paris Zoo, and their names were Castor and Pollux. And they only lasted uh, probably a few more weeks. <laughs> and then, uh, the, then uh, the siege was over. But that was during the Prussian siege during that, that dinner. And it just got me thinking... Uh, because I was reading a lot about cunning folk and midwives. And um, there's this, I think it's Christy J. Soley, uh, who wrote a book, I think it's called Witches, Sluts, and Feminists. And she has, she has this great quote about how that it, men were just starting to get into the, the medical fields as far as making it... Um, you had to go to school to do it. You know, they were, they were setting up boundaries on who performed medicine, you know, who was officially the doctor and who wasn't. And she was like, uh, put forth the idea that it, it was a way which, uh, accusing people of witchcraft because they were performing uh, medicine for women was a way to ostracize uh, functioning women from the medical fields oh, so they could get into it. Wow. Oh my God. So I found that <laughs> really interesting. <laughs> and I don't know, I just got the idea of a chef and bordellos and I just thought it was just a lovely little revenge. <laughs> I, I mean, who doesn't love revenge? You know, because right? a lot, you're so satisfying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they always want to know what happened to the fetal tissue. So, you know, <laughs> your worst nightmare. That's what happened. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> I wonder if it would actually make them oh. sick, though, because you have them getting sick, right, in the story. I, I don't know if that would make them sick. Well, uh, it you know, food preservation was dodgy at best. Oh, there you go. Back okay. then. And it could have been point. it could have been poison mushrooms. It could have been anything. Could, they could have added that on. You don't know. Do I don't you? know. Do cannibals get, uh, what do they call when you eat pork and you get, what is that? Uh, tomaine poisoning. <laughs> tomaine poisoning. Do you get tomaine poisoning from humans? Things that I don't ponder. That was. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, but if you Google, I bet you there's an article there. <laughs> I bet you there is. Everything's on Google. 
Speaking of, I am very curious, your your personal writing projects, you had that amazing girls who hit the road in a van story and just caused mayhem. Did you ever get that out? Have you been working on it? Well, it's, it's being shopped out right now. It's at tour Nightfire, and they have until March. And I went from 149 in the queue to 98. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, good. So you have I to whole, wanted to try and good. get it. Oh, yeah, it's done. I, it was my first mm. pandemic project before the last girls club. Oh, that's and how many words um, of curiosity is that book? Oh, about 25,000, I think. Oh, so it's, it's short. A it's a novella. Oh, okay. Good for you. Yeah. That's it was, it was my, it was my first attempt at like, um, uh, more of an adult book. I have two children's books that I've written and they're self-published on Amazon and, uh, they're called the vermin chronicles and <laughs> it's, uh, about rats and squirrels in London's green park. And it's kind of a, um, a book about homelessness and the housed and the conflicts for, uh, food and supplies and things like that. Like how the squirrels get handed food because they're cute and the rats have to dig through trash. And the really, the only difference is a fluffy tail. (laughs) If you think about it. Yeah. Fluffy tail Uh, gets you, get you pretty far in life. You know, we've all learned that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We all want the fluffy tail. uh, By the way, listeners, I'll put a link in the, um, in the show notes for people to find those books. Uh, so Ida, that's interesting. Did you get it edited? Like, how did you get it from, you wrote it and then what did you do with it? Did you send it out anywhere? Uh, the children's books? Yes. But I found that it wasn't, I don't know, uh, palatable because of the rats. Okay. Like I found a little pushback from that as far as like the people that I did, they're like, I don't know. Rats just give me the heebie-jeebies. And I have such a love for the secret of NIM and my favorite stories, Watership Down, right? Like the, the the ones you watched as a kid and you're like, Oh, (laughs) I think I've read Watership Down like 10 times and the rats and NIM (laughs) 20. I love both of them. Is that called free fiction? Like, maybe you can clear this up for me. We, are, are those two books furry fiction or not? I've called them, I've heard them called urban animal fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, furry fiction, I, you know, it's a movement. Uh, being a furry is its own thing. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how much it skewed into that. I wasn't sure uh, the parameters of furry fiction. Hey, I've never you know. understood furry fiction either. I've, I've, I've tried to look into it. I'm like, what is furry fiction? I, I, I don't know. How would you define furry fiction? I almost think fanfic for people who dress up in uh, animal costumes. Right. So it gets a little, like, I, well, you know, I mean, I don't want to. More adult. You right. know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I don't want to judge. Like, whatever you choose to wear. Exactly. I prefer a flannel nightgown. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you catch me in you know (laughs) but it's definitely not going to be anything scratchy or lacy that's for sure because i mean the definition you know it's it's the genre of literature that focuses on talking and anthropomorphic animals which is watership down which is rats and nim which is you know lots of stuff out there the yeah 
it, that's what I, yeah. But it was, it, it just kind of, I don't know. It kind of had the overtones of that. And I felt like that was more of an adult venue than animal, but even urban animal fantasy sounds like what? It does. It, does. it sounds like you might have to pay for it. Like, like right. Owl, like it's behind a paywall game. or something. <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally Are you 18 right. or over to view this product? <laughs> That's right. This animal urban fantasy. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. So on the trash cans, huh? More yeah. in the trash cans. Ooh, you're getting weird, bro. <laughs> That's right. Very weird. <laughs> it's for kids. I I feel like sometimes being a, a paid writer is you have to function as a content writer in some form or fashion. The ones that I see are functioning usually have multiple venues that they're doing as writing. They've got their medium page. They've got their classes that they're teaching. They have their writers groups that they're leading. They have, you know what I mean? Like it has to be. I'm not sure if someone just individually writing is no, I guess you're making Stephen a living or Charlene Harris, or you're definitely one of the, you're one of the big ones. Well, or you built your audience to, that you spent years investing the time and publishing to get to that point. I had um, one of my mentors that I talked to when I was ramping up, uh, she writes romance novels. And it's passive income for the novels that she's written in the sales and, and the promotion. And I, I think she said she got an extra like eight to 1200 a month. That's it for that. Wow. Yeah. And she had um, a regular job. I mean, I'm a massage therapist and the money I make from massage therapy is what I put in to making the magazine. Uh, right. Right. I mean, uh, th- this podcast, this podcast costs me um, $18 us, which is of course more Canadian every month. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's that $24 or something. So I pay, right. I pay and I use my income from my day job and same things for the uh, short stories. Might consider is looking for, uh, promoters, uh, like mid-level influencers, which they say like, uh, I forget like five to 10,000 followers is like a mid-level consumer as opposed to someone with millions of followers, right? Cause there's a more personal connection with their followers and someone about farm life or, something that vaguely associates with your subject and see if you can get a review from them. And yeah, yeah. Just to like send a, you know, approach them with the idea, then send them a free copy of the book and for an honest review or whatever, and see who would be into it. Do you ever wonder if our time would be better spent watching Netflix rather than struggling in front of the computer, trying to write something? But you can also be detached from the world and watching other people's entertainment as opposed to making your own and putting it in the universe. And if someone pays you, they control the content. Oh, very good point. I never thought of it that way. Good point. You're doing, yeah, we are, that's kind of when people tell me about putting advertising in the magazine. And I'm, I'm like, first of all, I have no clue how to do advertising as far as how, how much to charge people and what the parameters need to be and blah, blah, blah. And it's a headache I don't want because I'm still figuring out my other stuff. And the people that I have advertisements for, I don't charge them. I just ask them to post a link and say that they've been put in the magazine and be like, hey, we're in Last Girls Club, blah, 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 you know, and put a link. And that way I get more exposure, but it's a barter. 
it's not a cash in hand. And that way they have no say what I put in the magazine. Right. And yeah. And you're doing it if you can't say what you want to say, right. There's no point in even. Right. Like there's a magazine called Texas monthly um, in Texas, obviously. (laughs) And they depend on subscribers and donations because they don't want any influences by ad advertisers. And I've always thought that was pretty punk rock, you know? Absolutely. That is, that's very good. Well, that gives me some good food for thought. And you're right. You're either absorbing somebody else's content or you're creating your own. I just would hope there would be some way to find the money without compromising the content. This is my goal. This is, this is my mission. <laughs> it's got to be out there. <laughs> it's getting it in front of the right people for that to happen. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's like I said, it's finding those mid-level influencers and finding people. Cause remember we talked about Amanda Palmer last time. Right. Yes. And yeah, yeah uh, the, I, I finally started up my Patreon page again Good for and yeah. that's how I'm going to manage subscriptions to the magazine. Um, which FYI kids, digital publishing is so much more easier than print publishing and figuring out on your own, how to manage subscriptions, how to get the links to work correctly. Um, so I, I had no idea how to handle subscriptions. And so I'm going with Patreon. So they'll do the monthly charges. I had, a, I, I thought Squarespace, the platform I put my website on, mm-hmm. uh, said I could do it, but then that would be $54 a month. Oh my God. And I'm already at like 24, I think just to be able to do what I do on there now. Right. And, um, yeah, I, w- I was just like 54 months. Sorry. Sorry. I'm already, sorry, an expensive hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Passion project. So tell me more about the upcoming issue of the last girls club. Be excited with this active shooter. When I'm about, I'd say a third to almost halfway through the submissions. Submissions ended on the first. And mm-hmm. um, it's, there's some good ones. There's some real good ones. And it's, uh, it's, I try to go for the ones that make me still think about them after I've read them, you know, that's to have an image that was like, Oh, that hit hard, you know, or, Oh, that was such creeping dread. Well, I'll say this, my chats with Ida Obey are never boring. And I hope you enjoyed Martine Corbeau's reading of Clotilde. Are you still hungry? If you want to learn more about Ida Obey and The Last Girls Club, please visit www.lastgirlsclub.com. So, what's for dinner tonight? Sleep with your eyes open until the next episode of Read Me a Nightmare.